0: Hello, my name is Bobby L. Perry. This is the 22nd episode of B. Perry Films Podcast. We'll be talking about music and some of the careers that people pursue. In this episode, I'll be sharing the stage with Dominic Glad, who goes by the name of Diggity Dawn. And I'll be asking him some questions about his career in performing arts. He is an indie artist based in Boston, Mass. He graduated from Boston Arts Academy, majoring in music technology and he recently graduated from Berkeley College of Music, majoring in music production and engineering and business management with a minor in commercial recording production. Dominic is a queer trans man who uses his platform to give voices to those who want to share their experience through music and media through a therapeutic mentoring and his company Diggity Dom Entertainment LLC. So Dominic, you can
1: introduce yourself all right thanks so much for having me Bobby it's been a wild ride but yeah like you pretty much you know nailed the the bulk of you know what's going on but I guess today a little deeper um, I was born and raised in Boston however my parents um, are not from here so my dad he was born in Trinidad grew up in St. Vincent and came out here for Berkeley to uh, to go to college, and then my mom is from Virginia and also came to Boston to go to Berkeley. So, um, they both were very involved in music, and kind of, you know, I kind of just got like engulfed in all that they were doing. Um, like all the different genres they listened to. Um, growing up in church, like playing uh, the drums in the in the church band, praise and worship, youth choirs. And then um, my mom had like a musical that she wrote that was at the Strand Theater f- uh, for several years called Jack's World. So during that time as a child, um, probably like between the ages of being like a baby to around like, say, about five or six, I was singing, dancing and acting in this um, musical. And then... Went on to join a kids slash youth band from 07 to about 2015. And my mom was actually the manager of the band. So we had toured um, down south in Virginia. We went to Toronto, Canada, all over New England and a few other places. And, you know, all the songs were like original to the band. And, you know, I was playing drums. I was playing percussion. I was singing, playing piano. And me and the other drummer we would just switch off between instruments so like that was a that was a wild ride, but it was definitely um definitely learned a lot while being there. Um, and then I was in the Berkeley City Music Program since fourth grade. So fourth grade to eighth grade, I was in this free program that Berkeley offered that gave me a um it was like a Saturday program from fourth to eighth grade. We had a private ins- well a class instructor for playing drums. We had theory classes, we had ensembles. And when I got to high school, I went to Boston Arts Academy, um, alum with Bobby. And that's where um, I got to also join this high school program was Berkeley. So we had private lessons once a week on the college campus. We had ensembles and a theory class. And then Boston Arts Academy, um, halfway through there, I took the drumming music concentration and then uh, dove into the music technology um, offering that they had there. So my last two years at BAA, I got to um, make podcasts. I got to record bands. I got to do um, sound effects and stuff for animation and write scores for that. So uh, shout out to Mr. Holt. But uh, that was I learned so much through that. And that helped set me up for going to Berkeley so that when I like i had to apply after getting into the college i had to apply to then get into the music production engineering program mm-hmm. and it's like super tight amount of students that they allow into the program like i have peers that had to apply like three or four times like throughout the like several semesters so they keep it tight and um luckily the stuff I'd made at BAA in my music technology program, it was all stuff I could use on the portfolio to apply to the MPE program. And, you know, that was what got me in to the program pretty much. And, you know, I, it was super hard. I had I did 10 semesters in four years, I had like seven to 10 classes a, um, a semester, and I was working at the same time. But I'm just blessed to have graduated this past May. So, yeah, it's been a journey, but, you know, it's out here.
0: Good to see you. That's a big milestone. Like, people don't realize how many people want to go to Berkeley. And there's about three or four different branches, right? I know there's one in California. Well,
1: pretty much the Berkeley in California is very different than Berkeley College of Music. So, Mm -hmm. Berkeley College of Music like the base is in Boston and then they recently made a another um component in New York and then in Spain. But the main campus, if you want to get like everything, is in Boston. Berkeley in California is a whole nother different type of school that doesn't even focus on music. So yeah, that's (laughs) some people sometimes I have to like tell people because like they'd be like confused if they don't know about music.
0: See, listen up, everyone that's watching this. Make sure you apply to the right branch.
1: Facts, <laughs> facts.
0: Even like you, I started out in musical theater. Me personally, I just love performing and it gave me life. Um, I don't think I chose dance. I think it chose me. I guess I was destined for it. But it's just the power of what music and sound and putting a whole production brings to life and seeing people react to what we have created or were taught at a young age, growing up to adulthood. And it does age you in some type of bit. And you're learning about life experience, something that you wouldn't learn until like you're like a teenager, but you're taught at a young age, discipline and staying focused and being committed. And those are some core values that you have to have and following your heart, your passion to accelerate. Because if you're just doing it just to do it, you're not gonna grow and you don't wanna be there. But if you love something, you're going to put a hundred percent into it, maybe a thousand (laughs) percent. So I like to start out the podcast with a few definitions so people can get a context of what we're talking about. So in your definition, what is considered music?
1: I would say music is like, honestly, in, in my case, any form of sound. Now, that can be kind of abstract, but you know, sometimes a car alarm could be going off and like it's consistent and I'm like, oh, I start making a beat out of it. Like anything that's technically sound can be music. Now, if you want to get on the more commercial terminology, then we'd get into, you know, rhythm and beat or, you know, even like vocal, somebody's singing, but you know, even rapping though, like there's so many different forms of music, so that's why I kind of like base it to like different forms of sound, because mm-hmm. technically any form of sound can be music. Um, it's just how people perceive it. So, like the most common genres that people love to perceive music is, you know, like pop, R and B, rap, hip hop, jazz, yeah, all that. All
0: that.
1: Um, a- yeah. So, yeah, but music. I don't know. I I feel like it can have a way of like affecting one's emotions so um i like to create like when i'm making music i like to create something that can either inspire somebody or make them think or like different like keys or tones that you play can affect like whether you feel like happy or sad or like how fast the song is going versus how slow. So like all of these things are kind of connected onto like mood and feeling and emotions um, to also add on to like music.
0: Well, I have a two part question. So we're going to start with defining an indie artist because I know a lot of people don't know what that is.
1: For sure. So indie artists, I feel like are mostly like people that are like independent so that means that instead of me like being signed to like let's say a major label like Warner or something like that, um, this just means that I'm pretty much doing stuff on myself. I have my Diggy Dumb Entertainment company where pretty much I can release my music underneath. So I'm just kind of acting as my own label. And there's a lot of things with major labels where they take like a lot of a lot of your bread and they might give you an advance. But at the end of the day, there's a lot of back end stuff that can get a little grimy. So right now I'm kind of like doing my thing. Um, there are some artists and there's things called indie labels that are pretty much smaller labels that can provide some resources to indie artists. So, you know, that's it's it's like. People just trying to trying to do their do their own thing without having to get all that or have these companies taking like huge chunks of a lot of the bread and percentage and taking ownership of our masters. It's like now like we want to be in control. So
0: Yeah. And just to give some context on that, there's a lot of people who work behind the scenes for labels, whether it's the engineers, the producers, the songwriters, the composers. And a list just goes on, I think there's at least 10 different departments when I was looking it up, that take a portion of the cut, and then you get the remainder. You always pay yourself last, always think of that. But when you're an independent artist, you have more flexibility, it might be harder to put yourself ahead because you don't have all the resources. But with time and effort, you basically become something. There's a ton of artists, I can't think of off the top of my head, that are indie artists. Maybe Jungle, I think, wait, I think they're signed to a label. But I think they're considered indie artists, maybe. And there's a few other and big artists that are out there.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know a lot of artists that, like, might have started indie, too. And then, like, after they kind of, like, got pretty big, they sometimes, they might have eventually transitioned over, but, like, on more of their terms or on a label that they felt more comfortable with. So, mm-hmm. like, I know um Black... He's like pretty big artist. out. Um, he was independent for a while. And then like, I think he recently joined Interscope Records on Love Renaissance, yeah.
0: Yeah, just, I just encourage people, just take your time and really plan things out right before you execute of, if you're gonna pick a label or do it yourself. And you can even interview them as well, like get a fail, kind of like a coaching call and see if they have all the resources that you're looking for, see if you can um, give them something in return. It should be an even exchange instead of just one-sided. Right, so exactly. That. So some questions that I have for you is, what made you decide that you want to go into music as a career? I know that you spoke about your parents being a big influence, but what pivoted you to say, I want to take full control, and this is what I want to follow.
1: Sure. So. I've always been an advocate of trying to make money on something that I actually care about. Like, how can I turn my passions into, like, revenue? So pretty much, like, growing up, I I just wanted to, like, work. Initially, I was trying to work so that I could accomplish some of my goals financially. Like, I wanted to buy a car in high school, get my license and stuff like that. So I knew, okay, well, I'm going to have to pay for that. So I had to just applied to like 40 plus jobs at 16 and um, got a job at the Gap. So I was folding clothes for a long time. And then I finally got enough money to get my car, um, go to driving school, get my car and stuff. But that allowed me to then like be mobile to go to like more gigs because I'm a drummer. So I was able to like, you know, carry my drums. There's gigs that, other people had to turn down because they were, you know, like not on the transit or you had to bring a drum set. And I was able to pick those up. Um, And like, just the love that I had for like, so I'm, I think i entertainment LLC. I do production, recording, mixing, mastering, and, you know, also teach people about like the music business side, help them, help them get set up and stuff like that. And so when I started digging into like the music industry, the things I'm doing, I was like, well, all of these are components that um, are very viable, like in the industry, like a lot of people have to go to like, to make what song you have to have it produced or produce it yourself. You have to record it. Like, if you want to put it out, like these are all the things that you have to do. And, you know, in the commercial standard and stuff like that, like the, a lot of these engineers are getting paid like a lot of money for this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, okay, well, how about I start, you know, once I felt comfortable with my skills, I started charging for my services and helping people like bring their dream to light, like make it come true. A lot of artists, especially new artists, um, and some that's been out for a while, but they'll come to me with a song or an idea and it's almost like their baby, like something that they've been like, just sitting on for a minute and they just don't know how to get it out or they need help to get it finished. So I'm like that one-stop shop, to just kind of like help people make their baby just come alive and um, just seeing like the passion and the happiness and hearing like how happy that makes somebody feel, um, you know, after a recording session or after they hear the mix and stuff like that um, that also brings joy to my heart to know that i'm helping this person with their creation so knowing that i was able to make revenue off of what i like to do and then help other people in the process even like i have a song called give me help it's all about somebody's afraid to ask for help and I put it like a hip hop beat so people can vibe, but also be like, oh, dang, like maybe I should ask for help, <laughs> like kind of <laughs> make you think. And then on top of that, there's a lot of different streams of income that can be made through music. So after, you know, I get my songs out and stuff, I can get them synced with like a TV station or a commercial or something. And What sync means is when you sync audio with visual, So that could be like a check in the back end or royalties um that's money that could get off of streaming or like passive income yeah a lot of passive income exactly so i just seen like so many opportunities through the stuff that already drove me which mm. is music and so i said hey like why not let's do it and um after after i left the gap i was doing security at house of blues but it was like at house of blues so i was like yo like you like, know yeah. i got to see free shows and um but the therapeutic mentor position, that's at a LGBTQ nonprofit for youth of color. So I was like a peer leader there and then an HIV outreach specialist. And now I'm a therapeutic mentor. But how it relates to kind of what I'm doing is that it's all helping people at the end of the day. Like, yes, I love music and I like to help people. So if I can put both of those together. It's just like a win-win.
0: What I say music is therapeutic and what I like about what you had mentioned and what your business is about is that not only are you coaching them you're actually mentoring them it's more of like you're not trying to sell out a hit you're saying maybe do you feel comfortable as an artist pushing this out do you need a little bit more time try out the string try out the space just structure it like a little bit more and you're not belittling them it feels like You're giving them encouragement, that reinforcement of, yes, you're a great singer, but there's areas that you can improve, and this is what my resources can provide for you, and excel your growth. And that's a part of an experience that a lot of people don't get to have. They don't have that coach that's really developing their idea. A lot of artists, like dancers, we sit in front of a panel, and we're going through these different sets, you probably go through 20 different sets of choreography, a 100 sets of music. And they're going like, cut, cut, cut. We don't like this. We don't like that. We like this one, that, that, that. And this takes about a year or two just to make an album, you know? And people are so quick nowadays to make a single just to make a hit or get a Grammy. But real artists like Shark Khan and Heather LaBelle, they openly said, we're not doing it for the Grammys. We're doing it for the art. So it's all about your intensity and what your whole objective is you wanna make sure that your audience, the people that are listening to your music are listening to the art and see the rigorous work that you put to make this into a masterpiece instead of just something that is just gonna be a hit or miss or something that's just gonna die out. Like, look, we listen to uh, Revelations from Alvin Ailey, all composed music, composed set, and everybody comes to the show just to see that one piece. That's the one piece that they (laughs) show for every single performance. And you will be amazed like how people still watch the videos and the piece is probably over so many years old. The company has been around for 60 years, so maybe 60 years or more. And Mm -hmm. it still has that iconic moment from like the day that it was initially choreographed by Alvin Ailey. Now that is art. And then that is something iconic. And that's what we're going for as an artist to be something iconic and leave a legacy.
1: Yeah. Got to.
0: (laughs) So, describe who is Diggity Dom? What does the identity study goes through?
1: For sure, so, first let me tell you how the name Diggity Dom even like came about. So, I was on tour um, playing drums for this non-binary artist named Billy Dean Thomas. And this was back in like 2019, around New Year's Eve time. We were in Vermont, like opening up for uh, Moon Hooch, and, I was on the um, sound check, so I'm sitting on the drums, and then they had a mic for me too, because I was like Billy's hype man at the same time. So I'm check, checking out the mic, and I'm like, "Dom diggity dom, dom diggity dom, dom diggity," and then I keep saying that, and Billy's like, "Oh diggity dom," and then I'm like, "Oh yeah." So then, as during this like time, I was supposed to be going on this industry trip to Atlanta through Berkeley. It was like a whole process to get into that. And I had to, like, try to really develop, like, my brand, my elevator pitch. Like, if I met somebody in the professional world, like, okay, how can I show them that I'm on that, like, trying to be on that level and, like, committed to this? So I was in the process of, like, developing my brand and putting my site together and all this stuff. And then um, I was like, yo, I need a name for myself. I'm trying to put some music out. I'm trying to, like, put my YouTube channel out. Trying to like really just figure out this brand thing, and I was like, "Yo, diggity dom!" I was like, "Yo, ain't nobody out here called diggity dom," and it just kind of like rain kind of stuck with me. And so, like on another level of that, I feel like diggity dom is very connected to me in a sense as that, like on my YouTube channel, I'm still trying to get some more stuff up there. It's been a little hectic, but I will be releasing something in the next couple of weeks. Um, that's going to be about a 25-minute video that incorporates about five of my songs, some live um, performances, some skits that kind of like set up what the song is about and how you can get through some challenges you might be going through. So that's what I've kind of been like working on in the past uh, a couple of weeks or so, but pretty much on the channel itself, like I had stuff that not only did with music, but health and wellness. Um, I have stuff that you know, I was reviewing fitness apps. I was trying out like healthy foods. Um, even on my TikTok, I'll try like different vegan stuff or different stuff you might find in the grocery store that's supposed to be healthy, but does it actually taste good? <laughs> and um, and then you know, just trying to like mix it up. Um, and then another thing I would do is like the background music underneath some of those kind of health and wellness videos or like talks with Dom, talking about like real stuff going on in today's world. I would use different producers like music underneath. So like if I don't got time to create an instrumental, then I'll hit up producers um, and be like, yo, like, you know, would you like your music featured in this video? Mm-hmm. And give, you know, make sure that their name is listed and stuff like that. So people could check out their work as well. So Diggity Dom is kind of like, you know, the, the main focus at heart is always going to be like the music and like, you know, the health and wellness component. The Diggy Dom entertainment is more of, it's all of that combined it, but I feel like the focus is recording, production, mis- mixing, and mastering, but I like to, you know, once people kind of understand, like, you know, if they like, okay, that's cool, but I want to know Diggy Dom a little bit more, then, you know, you kind of get into, like, more of the health and wellness um on top of that. Um, and then just trying to be an advocate for LGBTQ artists as well. Yeah, so I um, just trying to be an advocate for LGBTQ artists as well, because one thing, uh, especially when I was first writing my Spotify bio, um, I was like, do I want to put that I'm trans on here? Um, and, you know, that's something I had to think about because, you know, there's going to be some haters and there's going to be people that vibe. But ultimately, I said, yo, like, I just want to be my 100% me. I want to show other trans youth and, you know, even if they're older and they've been like, you know, kind of just hiding or uncomfortable, I want to show them like, yo, you can do anything that you put your mind to. So I'm just, you know, going full force and letting people know like, yo, I'm just my queer trans man, doing my thing. And if you want to hop on board or support me, you know, feel free, like it's a vibe over here. So, you know, I just got to get diggy with Dom.
0: Do you feel like it's been a handicap for you or an opportunity in your career?
1: I think definitely opportunity, uh, especially this past summer, like the past uh, four gigs I had were all like pride related gigs. Um, So it was nice because like it seemed like in Boston they were making spaces for us to perform. Um, Like I think almost all of them, it was like probably like the majority of them was like uh, LGBTQ people of color, like the majority of the artists in the past four events I did out here, Uh, like Boston Center for the Art, Hella Black, Pride Edition, Trans Pride, Wentworth Pride, and then um, the Music and Arts Festival for Boston Urban Pride. So like, which I also directed that whole festival. So that, that was a crazy experience. But it was nice being able to also not only be invited to the spaces, but also be able to create a space for Mm -hmm. other um, artists as well.
0: That's awesome. I like that. We have a few more questions right before we go into the whole touring part. What is your target audience? Is um, Is it just queer individuals? Is it the whole alliance? Is it men, women, children, older people, our generation? Who is your target pitch
1: for? Honestly, I feel like um, the majority of my songs target any and everyone, um, regardless of age. I think, um, like, Give Me Help, that song is for anybody that, you know, is struggling to ask for help. Um, Mm -hmm. And that can be anybody of any age. Even if, you know, you've asked for help in the past, like, it's a really good song to, like, make you think about. you've gone through and some people might be at a really good height in their life but there's always more resources out there um figure out how to get to the next step uh my first ep called light of mind that one is uh honestly for anybody as well like perfect really touches on like the chorus of the song perfect says i don't want to be perfect because it ain't even worth it so it's just talking about like how i'm trying my best like kind of like spilling out like all the things that go on in my mind but it's pretty relatable to people that just like work hard and they're always just like you know people might expect them to be perfect but it's like at the end of the day like you're doing the best you can do for that day and like that's okay um some some other songs deal with uh bus ride as a vibe if you're you know kind of like chilling but like maybe you've dealt with depression or something and like you need help getting out of that that song pretty much says like you know despite going through all this shit whatever you need is like right in front of you and like you got the recipe like you can do it if you believe in yourself um now I, the target I, I do have one target audience for this particular song called a hose life which is the last song i released i feel like that one is for it's for people um above the consenting age <laughs> but pretty much um i felt like that song was very interesting because like you know the chorus like yes it's called a host life it's it's probably one of the most explicit songs i've ever written um mm-hmm. just i kind of did it as a as a social experiment to see like okay like you know a lot of the other songs kind of like self-care vibes this one is self-care on a in a sense because the chorus says wrap it up so you can back it up so the whole song is for the people that like to be like you know lit you know having sex which is fine but it's promoting safe sex so at the end of the songs, like i start throwing condoms out at people um <laughs> like it's very live but yeah it's like you know you have your fun but like be safe about it so yeah, you know like that's the more of a story people will write booty shaking music all the time and i'm like okay well maybe i want to tap happen but be safe like you know just still be uplifting you know i mean like
0: what you're doing yeah yeah i agree definitely so now we're gonna get into the exciting part (laughs) and it's about planning the tour i know we'll start with the songwriting because i know that can take a long time how long does it take for you to compose what you consider a hit for you
1: um i mean it really depends honestly like for example so I was in the for the commercial record production minor. Um I took this class called Advanced Commercial Record Production. Yeah, so <laughs> that was um last fall 2021 with Prince Charles Alexander. And he's a pretty established um engineer. He's been on a lot of records, won some Grammys and all that stuff. So, um I got to learn a lot from him. But essentially he made us um write Produce, record, mix, master an entire song, plus a music video, plus like a twenty-page write-up report of all these different diagrams and like a whole bunch of things. It was mad different components to that, but it ultimately being like twenty-page every time. Um, we had three weeks to do this, and we had to do it like after three weeks. Okay, next song. Three weeks to do it. Okay, next song. Three weeks to do. So. And the the whole thing was we were um, using like reference references that were in the billboard charts. Mm-hmm. So stuff that was like commercially accessible, stuff that people were like Bob Matua had like clearly made it. We were using those as references. So our stuff had to be like on the kind of level. It had to sound like it, like production wise, songwriting wise, everything had to hit. And we had three weeks. So it'd be like one week to write the song, have like a draft of it, and then we'd show it in class, get some feedback, and then the next week we'll bring it in, listen to like the mixing feedback. If there's anything else we need to do, and by the third week, you know, you have the final song with the with the video. So that pushed me a lot. And like you know, knowing that and I was doing like, I think, seven or eight other classes at the same time and I was working full time. So like knowing that I was able to do that in that amount of time and like about three of those songs I actually released. So, you know, like a whole's life was the first song I actually did for that class, but I released it last. Give me help was the la- uh, the last song I did for that class in the music video. The feature on that song is not even from Boston. Like he's um, somebody I met uh, through one of my business classes. And he was one of the special guests. We had met him on Zoom, Uh, Frizzy is his name. He won the Guinness World Record for like longest rap. And so I hit him up, I reached out. He told us like, yo, reach out. I said, okay, I'm gonna reach out. (laughs) And, um, you know, connected with him. He was down to hop on the song. So I made the beat, made the chorus, sent it to him. He went to his studio out in Philly, recorded his vocals, sent it back to me. I recorded my stuff, mixed both of our stuff together. And then for the video, like I sent him a, a rough idea of what I was going for, for like the nature vibe. He recorded some clips, sent it to me, and then me and the editor just compiled all the stuff together, got it done. And I had like three weeks to do all of that. And you know, it's out to the world right now but yeah like I can I even had to write a my swelter song I wrote that whole song in a week like it might have taken me a couple of extra weeks though to like you know mix and master it I took more time with the music video so I could just choreography and that so like you know i was trying to like space it out with people's schedules but I did write the actual song in one week and um I don't uh that song is half Spanish half English I'm like beginner intermediate Spanish like so I don't know everything but I wrote out what I could yeah like I wrote out what I could and then I went to like three or four different Spanish speaking people and said hey is this accurate am I saying this right like you know is this phrasing incorrect because I wanted to make sure that whatever I was releasing you know, like made sense to not only the English speakers but the Spanish audience as well um, and I wasn't sounding crazy like messing up the words and stuff so yeah like you know it could be a week it could be three weeks it could be months you know what I mean like but yeah I can can work pretty quick under pressure
0: yeah I know for me personally I think the max amount of time that I get is maybe like a week or two ish but in that time frame you're learning choreography you're teaching dancers and you yeah. probably just met them and it's just like Everybody's body types are different. Everybody moves mm-hmm. a certain way. It's like a lot of m- mechanical parts and you're adding music. You're figuring out the costumes, the lighting, and everybody is collaborating as a team. And you're like, is this going to come out good? It better come out good because I said it yeah. looks good. Then <laughs> you get the audience's reaction and hopefully they love it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So tell me about more about the planning part because yeah. a lot of people overlook this. People are very quick to hearing there's an opening slot right here, there's an opening slot right there, be featured on a podcast or webinar or something like that, and you have a lot of moving parts. How do you mentally plan for all this?
1: Yeah, Google Calendar. (laughs) Now, like, no, for real though, Google Calendar is actually great because if I don't put stuff in my calendar, like, it doesn't. It probably doesn't exist. (laughs) Like, but um, yeah, like, I feel like the main thing, especially like circling back to like being independent, um, as an artist, is like, yo, like, I have to be on stuff. Like, like all the gigs that I had, the four that I spoke about recently, and the couple I have coming up was all due to, like, applying to even, like, be in it, like, hitting somebody up, hitting up the scene, like, okay, this this deadline is tomorrow to have, like, to get into the, um, to even have a chance to perform, okay, I need to submit this now, um, and just seeing, like, pretty much just doing research, um, either doing research, or as, like, things pop up in the socials, or people send me, sometimes people will send me um, applications for different artists opportunities. So like, I'm quick to try to either hop on it or if there's an event coming out and they're like, oh, like where sometimes they say they're looking for vendors. So I'm like, okay, are y'all looking for artists too? You know, like I I might actually comment or reach out to the people. Like you have to, have to be proactive um, because it's not easy out here, <laughs> you know, trying to do this stuff on your own. The gigs, some come to me, but some don't. And mm-hmm. so- you know, like, you have to, like, I really try to, like, stand up for myself, even even when it comes to, like, getting paid for stuff, you know, you have to make sure that what you're doing is worth your while, and that, you know, like, some stuff is, you know, sometimes I might do a little free thing here and there, like, for exposure, but it just depends on how much people, what they're asking from you, because I don't want to kill myself doing something that's not gonna push me forward, so, you know, sometimes, You know, you have to learn how to say no as well Um, Mm -hmm. and then also find the opportunities that are going to help uplift you and, you know, help push the career forward. So I feel like, yeah, the main thing is once things pop up, like even like grants and stuff like that, um, just like I try to make a list of either deadlines. So I know like, okay, I need to apply to this by then, um, get these resources together and then just start like once those things start saying okay like this is approved put that in my calendar or i even put stuff in my calendar to say like yo you need to submit this before this day so mm-hmm. i have that reminder because like when you're doing a lot of things if i don't have it's like
0: forget one thing, yeah
1: exactly if i don't have that external reminder it's, it's gonna like drive me insane um another thing i started to get um trying to get more in the habit of is creating like to-do lists like daily um, so that, you know, if I have a lot of tasks to do in the day, my calendar might look a little open, but I have like business stuff to do, like emails or editing or mixing, whatever. Then I try to like time that out in, in my um, to do list so that I can, you know, prioritize everything I got to get done. So, like, all of that is just super essential. And just like, if you want something, I got it, you got to go for it, you know, like, you're not going to know how to, um, like perform at a different venue unless you go and ask somebody and that works there or, you know, simple as calling them up and be like, hey, how do I do this? Can you help me?
0: <laughs> and people don't realize the effectiveness of networking. It's actually free for the most part. There are sometimes I that you may have to pay for services, of course, but a lot of people don't. It's like, I'm an introvert. I can speak for myself. Um, I know when I started this business and even as a choreographer, I had to step outside my comfort zone and make things happen yes you get emails and phone calls here and there but it's just like if you don't step up to the plate you're missing out on an opportunity that could be yours or a good opportunity that can elevate you to another version of yourself and get bigger clients bigger venues just everything is a lot grand versus you being mute and just relying on yeah they'll call me how do they call what? you yeah, like phones.
1: what you gotta call no, them they're gonna call you <laughs> right i'll send like three emails like you know over you know of course i have a couple of weeks but like after a few emails i would be like all right well on to the next person like all right like they don't want to whatever if i'm trying to um network with somebody especially when i travel like anytime i travel to like la atlanta um just different areas and hubs like I try to figure out who can I set up a meeting with? What business can I like meet with? Um, mm-hmm. First time I went to Atlanta a couple of years ago, I um, I was there for a month with my girlfriend, rented out a house, rented a car. We was virtual school cause of COVID, virtual work. So I was doing all of that. And I said, all right, well, cause the, the, the Atlanta industry trip I was talking about all got canceled because of COVID. Like I found out the week before and I was supposed to go to Tyler Perry Studios, bro, like, I was tight, I was tight, but, like, I ended up, by me cold emailing, like, mad businesses, Um, I ended up speaking with, like, a few of them, and uh, the one, one of the ones that was super impactful was the guy that works, like, like, he has his own company, Crossover Entertainment, uh, Billy Johnson, super cool dude, but he, like, is cool with Tyler Perry. Like Tyler Perry used to like rehearse at his, at his business. And like he, and That's then big. Billy literally just did a whole bunch of sound and stuff for something Tyler Perry just did with Oprah a couple of weeks ago. So it's like, you know what I mean? Like I'm still trying to, you know, you never know. Cause like, I wouldn't have never met this guy unless I just reached out and I, you know, he just happened to say, yeah, come through, let's chat. And I got to meet with him uh, a few weeks ago again, to reconnect when I came back to Atlanta. So like, Networking is great, but also trying to maintain those connections um and like check in and you know, see what they're doing, send them your stuff. Um, it's like super vital, like to show that like you actually care about this relationship and that you like to grow and foster that.
0: I think that's a problem with people. People are quick to take in a gig, but people when the gig is over, they don't do the extra part on the offboarding part where you're like messaging people thank you for the opportunity thank mm. you for providing these resources you know thank you to, um brings you a long ways or even saying good morning just right. like normal things that we were taught as a kid and just implement it in real life facts the next part that we're going to go into is raising money which is the hardest part people think musicians dancers artists make a ton of money but we actually don't We're more frugal when it comes to things and we don't mm. spend enough on, like, marketing, going on podcasts, social events, and stuff like that. How do you personally raise money? Is it through grants, social awareness? Um,
1: right. Yeah, I think it's definitely a combination for sure. Um, I think, like, through my through my business, um, I'm probably making the most money off of the recording, production, mixing, and mastering. But, you know, like, clients they either like even though they might be like consistent clients there are still people that have jobs that have lives so they can't record like you know all the time you know they come when they come and um you know and that's i work with their budgets and stuff like that so that's you know that's one source of the revenue but also like performing is another aspect i'm trying to get you know, adequate pay for different events. But the thing that goes into performing is expenses. You know, when I have dancers with me, I have to pay for rehearsal spaces. I have to pay for, you know, sometimes I'll get them like lunch or dinner, like if it's a late rehearsal, um, gas for them to get to rehearsal, Ubers. Um, And then even like costumes or um, I have to like, give them a cut of the check that I make from the performance to make sure that I'm paying them. Cause, mm-hmm. you know, I don't I understand that everybody is just trying to make a living out here too. So I don't expect anybody to necessarily like, you know, unless we're bartering or they want to get experience or they want to help me out, like I try my best to, you know, help out where I can. Um, so you know, those expenses to then, you know, you end up making a little bit less than what the check is actually saying. But it's all part of the growth. Um, eventually those checks will become more. But that's you know performance is another form of revenue, um, nonetheless. And then grants is also nice because like um that gives me some funds that I can you know just put towards my art and not have to pay back. Right now I'm not at the stage where I feel comfortable taking out a business loan. Because I don't want to have to pay pay that back. Mm-hmm. So um, right now I'm just trying to get as much like free money, like free as in like you know you still have to put your time into the application. But ultimately a grant is you know money that I don't have to return and I can invest into my business and my art. So things like that is helpful. And then um, I'm trying to set myself up for that passive income, um, which will eventually be like you know streaming. I'm not, you know, it's something, but it's not a lot. So, yeah. um, I'm trying to set myself up for like more sync deals, and um, like I recently was on this video game, um, called it was called like Flying Birds or something like that. We but um, <laughs> yeah, like they um synced two of my songs, well, the Swelter song, and then they I made a hip hop instrumental for them as well. So that was some revenue as well. So, you know, I do website design on the side, like, you know, different things. Um, But this is all connected with, like, the industry, music, and entertainment stuff. So, yeah, it's all different sources. But the main thing that you're hearing is I have more than one stream of income. So that's the most important thing. Um, Doing this whole music stuff, I can't just rely on. Like, I do t- teach drum lessons, too. But I can't rely on just that or just one of these. I kind of need the mix that's of real. it. Yeah. And then like wh- working at uh, Boston Glass, that's the LGBTQ nonprofit. being a therapeutic mentor there is also like, you know, a little side revenue that also kind of helps, you know, supplement, you know, some of my income. And I, I, I can like even
0: working. say, even for me, when I was taking dance classes, the week of our show, they were like, they sent us out a blast email. They were like, the school or organization is closed, so there's no more rehearsals, no shows, and everyone was like in shock. Um, a lot of people who are in performing arts they had to readapt and started using social media and stuff like that to get exposure and also make money but people don't realize the only way that you make money is through performances so people are trying to go like more hybrid like what i'm doing with my podcasts Mm -hmm. i don't always have to meet the guests sometimes it's in person sometimes it's over zoom it's an easier way that everyone's safe and we don't have to Worry about catching each other, um, catching COVID or any other illness that may happen. I do want to emphasize the difference between grants and loans. Like you said, grants, you don't have to pay back, but there is a catch. Same thing with loans, you do have to pay back. But in those contracts that you're signing for both a grant and a loan will detail things that you have to do and what you can spend things on. Mm-hmm. Grants and loans are used for a certain purpose. It's either to provide income for yourself, your staff, equipment, traveling expenses, food. It just depends, you gotta read the grant because that's what they're funding it to and you have to allocate every dollar and they're gonna report back to you. They're gonna see, they're gonna be monitoring your bank account saying, oh, I noticed that you spent $1,000 at this um, club. Was it for a performance or were you just having too many drinks and just going free with the money? You got to be realistic, (laughs) you know, but be cautious of what you're spending. Keep a receipt. Um, Do what I do. I use QuickBooks. There's Mm -hmm. FreshBooks. Have an Excel sheet. Have multiple ways to track your income. So just in case the internet might fail, you have this written down. Take a picture of the receipt. Keep the receipts for at least a year or two because you might need it for your taxes or anything that might come up. So if you ever get flagged or audited by the IRS, you can say, here's my proof, and they leave you alone. So yeah, a lot of people aren't financially literate when it comes to hustling and budgeting. Everyone's Mm -hmm. focused on making the next dollar, but people don't know what to do with the dollar as soon as it comes into their hand. So don't abuse privileges because things like that can go away. And people talk. So keep that in mind. Next, we'll talk about the choreography. You mentioned that you dance and you have dancers. How important is that component? Because it's given more of a visual into your performance.
1: Right. Yeah. So um I feel like when I first started going out, like keep in mind, like the majority of my life, yes, I did the musicals when I was a little kid, but um I've been like playing drums. People kind of knew me as a drummer. And I still play drums. Like I said, I'll still be touring with Billy Dean Thomas. We about to be in Sweden in a couple of weeks. But I wanted to show another way of like getting my music out there. Like one of the main reasons that I even created songs in the first place under Diggity Dom was to, it was just another way to promote myself, like promote what I was doing so that, you know, new People that might have been artists like check it out, like see some more of my work to maybe want me to work with them. And then also, just it's also another form of income as well. That's more if I have more product out, that's more money you can make out. Mm -hmm. But another way to also like spread the good word um about like positivity and stuff like that. So pretty much when I first started performing as Degadi Dom, singing and rapping. I um, was hitting like different open mics or like different Berkeley events about a year or so ago, honestly. And then the first gig, um, well, for Swelter, because the whole song for Swelter was talking about get up and dance, pretty much like letting go and like being free. That song, I knew okay, well, I need to have choreography. So while I was at Berkeley, I was able to do they pretty much sort of bought or like partnered with boston conservatory which they have like a lot of dancing and stuff there so we were able to take some of the dance classes as electives so Mm -hmm. i took um african dance class and then this past spring i took a intermediate hip-hop class and so a lot of that kind of like got me back into some of the dancing i was doing when i was younger and I'm um, not always like to dance but like I didn't really know what I was doing <laughs> before I just like you know do a little jiggy or whatever but I was like I really wanted to learn and so I took I took a salsa class too because I love listening to salsa and playing on the drums so um, I hit up a choreographer uh, Yamanuchi Marcellus that we actually went to Berkeley together we met in the African dance class mm-hmm. and uh, I was like yo like I'm trying to do this music video but I need dancing and That was a whole process in itself, like, trying to find dancers that could fit the time requirement and that were, like, down. And there was a lot of stuff going on. But the dancing as a whole, like, I knew I wanted to incorporate all of that because that's what it was saying in the song as well. Now, when it came to, like, live performances for dancing, that, my first gig for that, for Diggity Dom, was actually back in June. um, June 2nd for the Boston Center for the Arts thing. And I only had about, like, Two two and a half weeks to create choreo, create and teach choreo for like four songs. So it was very hectic, but pretty much going from like open mic dom to like being by myself on a mic and just like dancing whatever by myself. I really wanted to elevate what I was bringing to the table. I wanted to elevate what I'm bringing to the audience. When mm-hmm. I go to different shows, I'm I'm like I like to observe and see like okay what is Like driving my attention right now, and I had seen like these two openers for um her, and I seen the first girl. She had a really nice voice. Good job, whatever she. But she was singing by herself, and you know it's like I was like, this is cool. The next dude came out, and he had like two dances with him. He's singing. He's doing his thing, and I'm like, yo, this is already like a thousand times more engaging, and so like just like seeing that and like how it looks in the videos and all of that stuff even live i'm like okay like i want to have dancers a part of you know my elevation period and so i was like all right bet like i'm gonna do this and you know i had to find people and make it work in a couple of weeks and we had we was grinding trying to learn all this stuff but like we made it we made it happen and i'm, I'm happy like to see like where it's at now especially the video that's about to come out, like it, it's compilates like a bunch of the performances we recently had. And it's just like, dang, like in a matter of like what, a, a month or two, like all of this has like happened. So yeah, it's all a part about like rising up, you know, you got to start somewhere and mm-hmm. then like, you know, just keep building on that rather than being like, Oh my God, I have to have all of this stuff, like right at, right out the gate. Like, no, you just, just start somewhere and then gradually, you know add on to it
0: yeah forming live versus remote or in a music video is such a different experience because you don't have the live feedback and sometimes most of your energy comes from the audience and you feel like you're speaking to them they're speaking to you and then there's just like this non-verbal language that's going on and then sometimes depending on what genre of music they like cheering for you and you know it's more animated
1: Right. Yeah. And I honestly feel like regardless of who's there or what's going on, me and my dancers, we just gonna go full force and you know what I mean, like just just have a vibe. Like I try to engage with the audience and stuff like that. But um, you know, it's all about just yeah, I just be trying to go ham, be like, yo, we gonna we're gonna leave an impact. <laughs> so <laughs> y'all gonna go home talking about it. So look and
0: like, even like if you're sick or whatever or you forget a line, you get the audience <laughs> stick up <out> and <that laughs> <blink>, like yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, You know. Excellent. It's a lot it seems like a lot of fun when I go to concerts and I'm really focused on the production, like how they're gonna use the lighting, how they're gonna use the sound. Um I try to make friends with one art friends, there's a work relationship, we'll say with the crew, and get them to envision what you're picturing in your head and seeing what they can bring to life for you. Or maybe tone it, about, tone it down a little bit, because our imagination could be a lot extreme. But like I said, when you end those rehearsals, you're like, this is gonna be a hot mess. Same thing, how I felt like I wasn't tapped. All these noises going off, no one's synchronized. And then when it's time for the show, you would think it's a whole nother cast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, real moments. Mm-hmm. Speaking of COVID, there's a switch in venues. A lot of people are doing out, so, um, outdoor performances instead of indoor. Are there more expenses? Is it a different experience? How's that like?
1: Yeah, so it's been kind of hectic, like learnings. So since I did um, the Boston Urban Pride Music and Arts Festival, I was directing that one. And that one um, was, yeah, I learned a lot in that process because we um, initially we we're trying to do something out, like one of like the Franklin Park like outdoor areas but all of that came with like all these types of permits and stuff that we had to get and there was a lot of pushback from like the permit office and like the city and you need like generators fire marshals like police officer, like, rangers, it was just, like, it was, like, a whole lot, then you gotta pay for porter parties, party stage, audio, like, it was just a lot going on, and so, yeah, we was getting some pushback, and plus, and especially if you're gonna do something outside, you have to plan, like, way early in advance, they, Boston Urban Pride hit me up, like, late March, and I was still, like, in my last semester of college, and working and stuff, asking me to direct this, I'm like, um, okay, but I can't do too much until I'm out of school. Like I only do a little bit at a time. And, um, you know, the the festival was like July 3rd. So we only had a few months to really like pull everything together. Um, But we were able to work with this venue called Flying Embers Brewery that allowed us to have their indoor and outdoor space, like their whole parking lot. So we kind of transformed part of the parking lot into interactive area for the stage and audio and things like that. And because we were able to partner with that venue, that meant we didn't have to get all those other permits and stuff because the venue had some of those licenses and things. All we had to really worry about was like food licenses and stuff or food trucks and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, But yes, there's, I would say if you're going to do something that's fully outdoors, like, you know, out of Franklin Park-esque kind of vibe, it's going to be pretty hefty in cost just depending on like, all that you need like
0: it's gonna and get that for weather conditions as well
1: exactly yeah weather conditions like you never know like what go with that like it was so hot um at, at my festival that like we were like moving some of the vendor tables over to the other side of the lot because like maybe they didn't have a tent and we didn't want them to like burn up and stuff but like there's a i'm actually going to be throwing two more events um the end of august called get diggy with dom and friends And I can give you some more information on where that's going to be at. Like, later on, it's kind of, like, undisclosed right now. But all I'm going to say is if people go to diggitydom.com, like, you know, after July 18th, everything should be up. But I can't say too much about it. But (laughs) (laughs) it's going to be
0: lit. Yeah, I know.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Good old NDAs. But uh, y'all stay tuned. will be outside so for the covid you know people like not don't come if you have covid but if you're <laughs> covid sensitive like because i'm kind of i have a lot of health issues so my immune system is kind of crazy so people that have immune deficiencies or whatever like it'll be great for y'all to come out because you know it's gonna be nice and outside so if you got allergies just take your phone age claritin whatever you need <laughs> and
0: yeah definitely it's
1: gonna be good it's gonna be a vibe
0: I think they should have like someone do like a COVID screening at certain venues, mm-hmm. so they can now, you know, step to the side or,
1: right, especially the um especially the indoor ones. I feel like because it's like
0: congested, yeah,
1: yeah. A lot of these places are saying people don't need to wear mask anymore. I'm like, bro. I went to a, um I don't know if you are familiar with Mercy D, but um she's a really talented um trans woman artist, hip hop artist. And she just do this. She has a nonprofit, um, Pride Extended. So she recently threw this uh, Bags event yesterday. And, you know, like in the it's like a two floor club. And, you know, people don't have to wear a mask because Boston and everywhere else is like, oh, you don't really have to wear a mask anymore. I'm like, yo, me and my girl walk up in there with our mask. And we was, shoot, I was wearing my mask the whole time because yeah. <laughs> like I get sick <laughs>
0: quick. My eyes just go like this a little bit. (laughs) What's going
1: on? Yeah, like, should be kind of crazy. But the event was great, though. So, shout out to Mercy D, no cap. Like, y'all should go to all her events, like, and listen to her music. I gotta, I gotta put my people out. You know what I'm saying? Like, yo, it's all about support for real.
0: I love how you're giving, like, knowledge, um, awareness to all these different artists who build you into the person that you are today. And you're very generous with your time and efforts, with everything. So I got a few more questions. These are going to be fun we I'm talking about the business side. <laughs> so, we'll talk about what are some opportunities do you feel like you can give to other artists who are probably in the same mindset as you of, yes, I'm starting up a music label or I'm trying to get into songwriting, engineering. How do you get them to find comfort within themselves?
1: For sure. So... I would say like so some artists I've worked with, um, I usually just try to give them like a crash course on like, you know, whether whether they need help with production or understanding like the business side of things. Um, I kind of just tell them like whatever they need help in, I try to give them like bits of information or give them like a little tutorial on how to make a beat or something like I when I when I was in Atlanta recently um I reconnected with somebody that I didn't even know they it was crazy I met I met her best friend in the studio and then her best friend played the music I'm like yo her voice is fire and then I was like yo let me connect with her I'm about to go out to Atlanta I could like show her like you know how to do some things and then educate her on how to protect herself all that mm-hmm. and so she sent me her Instagram I was like yo I used to work at the Gap with her so <laughs> we like reconnected and I went out there she came over to the BNB. and and I pretty much she's like yeah like I just want to understand production and like so she could like when she's working with other people as well she understands more stuff and then can also you know help elevate what she's doing so I literally like showed her a whole like you know, introduced her on how to start recording, how to like understand the quantization, all the little, little production stuff. So she at least had a good like basic start mm-hmm. and then s- set up like a bunch of links that I emailed to her um, and went through each website briefly to show like copyright, publishing, um, sound exchange, like different ways that she can either make her revenue, but also protect herself um, getting into this artistry stuff. So I had a whole email and I, I send this to like, sometimes when I have consultations with different people, I'll like walk them through um, some of the baselines of that. And mm-hmm. um, I have like, I offer artist consultation services as well. So it's like if somebody, I'll I'll give everybody this little crash course or whatever they need so they have the basics. But if they kind of want to dig a little deeper, um, then I offer those services, you know, for a charge. Um, But some people... What I'll do is um, I'll offer them the opportunity to hop on a Zoom call with me while I'm working. So if I'm like mixing somebody's song or I'm, like about to do mastering or even like video editing, if somebody has an interest in this and can't necessarily afford all um, like, you know, to get lessons, then uh-huh. I'll say, well, hey, if you want to hop on a Zoom call, I can talk you through what I'm doing. While I'm like, you know, working in the process so they can see it kind of live as it's going down um, to kind of help them understand all that stuff. Um, so, yeah, I like to I like to open up the door as much as possible uh, so that people can learn as much as they want. And then things I don't know or have to things that I go to other people for resources to. I try to share those resources. So like, like getting a lawyer, getting my LLC, my stuff, trademarked. Um, I got connected with biz grow and it's like a lawyers for civil rights. Like they have like free, um, free lawyers and stuff to help people with their businesses. So I share those resources. You know, if somebody's like, yo, I really want to do this. Like, Hey, here's this resource. Here's this resource. Here's like, if I don't know what answer, I'll try to help find the answer. So, you know, it's all about trying to uplift each other, help each other grow. Even people that are doing like video this one dude, he wanted just experience recording. I said, "Hey man, come up to my come to my gigs, and you can record there. There's experience, and if I have a little extra bread, I'll try to do what I can, or I'll give you some bud, food, whatever I can do to kind of help supplement that. If I'm you know not making a whole lot, I'll try to do what I can. So mm-hmm. you know, just kind of like helping each other out.
0: And a lot of people don't invest in a lot of education. I even tell people who watch my videos, I'm like, each video will only tell you about so much." because a lot of the topics are very broad. And I try to recommend people to sign up for my business coaching sessions because you're getting that one-to-one support. Right. And I try to frame it like a roadmap for your success. It's like, don't wait until the last minute of you're about to shut down and you're lost for hope and all that. Start now, start early, stop waiting. Retail to me on my website and book a discovery call. Let me get an opportunity to know who you are and see if my services can help you. And as we're going along, whether it's three sessions, four sessions, or how many sessions that you need, I can kind of coach you to get to that answer that you're looking for. Because just by me telling you something, you're not going to learn and you're not going to be able to comprehend it all the way. But if you go through the process, same thing like we went to school for, if you don't put the time and investment into education, you're never going to persevere and you're just going to be at the same level or even worse. You'll be all the way at the bottom while everyone else above you is excelling, you know?
1: Yeah, education is definitely uh, the key to success, <laughs> for it
0: sure. Is. Let's talk about mental health. For sure. Yeah,
1: um, I feel like mental health is super important. It's something that I feel like people just started talking a little bit more about, like, during COVID. Like, it was, like, such a taboo thing, I feel like, prior to COVID, because people knew it existed. And some people were cool with it but then like when everybody kind of started experiencing like the same kind of like oh my god what is happening things are closing like what then mm-hmm. there was a lot of like you know people more people dealing with depression and stuff or like at least being like uh, um, alert and aware that these things were going on and that the emotion and feelings so I feel like for me, I just like to stay as positive as I can, as grounded as I can, despite the like tens of specialists I've been going to and doctor's appointments almost every week, sometimes multiple times a week. Uh, I just try my best to stay positive. Um, and, you know, like going to therapists therapist too is even important. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. Try to help people get therapists if they need that. Um, but like, yeah, like doing different things, I feel that make you happy is super important. And even if you don't know what makes you happy, I feel like just trying different things. There's so many different opportunities in this world. And there's so many possibilities of stuff that you can learn how to do. Um, so for me, like when people tell me that they're bored, I'm like kind of confused because I'm like, yo, yeah, I'm like, okay. I'm like, yo, if you're, especially if you're hitting me up on Messenger, if somebody's saying on Facebook, I'm like, okay, well, you have access to the internet. The internet has so many things on it. It's like, even on YouTube, like I've learned how to make clothes. Like I made t-shirts, joggers, like multi-patterned like things. I made pouches, learned how to sew. I learned how to crochet. I learned how to make um chapstick lotions, like all this stuff from online, you know, I feel like there's just so many things to do that like being bored. I'm like, okay, if you're bored, then like maybe it's something deeper, you know what I mean? Maybe you need to go outside and go for a walk, go for a hike, like just try something new, Um, you know, maybe try to make a new friend or something. It's like,
0: I think it's the cost of things that discourage people and you can do simple things like check in with yourself. I implement journaling. Like I like to write and I have a blog and I thought it was very therapeutic for me to get my ideas out because right. I'm under high stress all the time doing everything myself. And it's a big thing as a content creator, a performing artist, a CEO, even doctors and stuff of any different industry. We all have we all go through the same type of stress, but it's how we handle it may be different. Writing might work for me. Maybe singing could work for you. Maybe creating an art piece could be amazing for someone else. There's something, there's a niche for everything that you're looking for. In my last episode, I talked about burnout and how it's important mm-hmm. to take a moment, take a pause, even if it's for a couple of hours or a day and say, I'm gonna focus on myself today. We're going to ignore all the noise that's going on. And I'm still trying to implement that because sometimes I work a whole month without any days off. And it's very exhausting to me. But I'm like, I still have to get these videos done. And I thought the importance of batch recording, making sure that I take at least one day off a week or treating myself out to eat or do something exciting every other week, if possible, if I have time. And you would just imagine like how much growth that I felt and that conscious awareness of me and my mental and my body has made an impact and make me more efficient with the things I want to do and the things that I have access to.
1: Yeah, I definitely, definitely can relate. Like I've been trying to get more, um, more mindful about like burnout and like just trying to balance out my schedule so that I'm not killing myself and packing up too many things, because like, especially in school, like, I just was packing up my schedule like crazy, and so, like, now, like, things have been kind of hectic coming right out of school, but as I've had a couple weeks to prepare for my next event, um, I've just been trying to, like, balance it out, like, that's even why I was like, dang, like, I don't know, I gotta, I need a couple days to think if I can even do the podcast (laughs) this week, because I was like, yeah, I gotta, like, I gotta make sure that my body's in check, and that I'm that I'm going to be okay. Cause I don't want to go into anything and half it, And I don't want to go into anything and feel like shit. Like I can't get up and I'm, I'm just so drained. And you know what I mean? Like I've been, I've been there where I'm just like going, just feeling like I'm on fumes. And yesterday, like I was up for over 24 hours because I was editing, but I had to meet the deadline. So i mm-hmm. trying to make sure that at least got somewhat amount of sleep or make sure that, you know if I know I have a lot going on, then I try to space things out as much as I can so that I'm not like gonna get burned out. And when you get burned out, oh, sometimes it's it hard to get back up, yeah, <laughs> takes longer. So it's trying to find that balance.
0: And people always say time management, time management, but sometimes the assignments be bigger than what you think,
1: Yep, and facts. Sorry,
0: I'm on stuff, so I say read those contracts, mm-hmm. <laughs> just um, yeah, just. Figure out what works for you. See what you're strong at, what you're not good at and try to improve on little things at a time. Don't kill yourself just to meet a deadline. If you know it's going to be a lot of pressure and you have three weeks to get it done and it's a week into it and you know that you're not going to meet the deadline, tell them that you got about 80% done. Can you get assistance with someone else or find someone who's willing to, you know, pay, that you're willing to pay to... You know finish the assignment because like i said deadlines are everything but if you can't manage it yeah it's not a good look
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. gotta make realistic deadlines as much as possible and just communication is always huge as well with especially with clients like when i was in school it's like yo if I, if I tried to be at, i mean i'm still very you know very communicative with my clients but when things was getting crazy I'm like dang I got a I got a pop up quiz and an essay I'm like yo like is it okay if I give you all this like the next day but um yeah it's just big communication especially working with other
0: people so what is the biggest takeaway that you want to give to the viewers that are watching this video right now
1: sure um i'd say biggest thing is to just follow your heart and just try to even if you don't know where you want to go in life just yet, or you're still figuring it out, or maybe you do, I would say just start somewhere and just keep pushing. Like, don't be afraid to ask for help. Even if you have no idea, like, what you want to do with your life, you know, feel free to, like, talk to somebody, talk to me, talk to Barbie, um, a friend or whatever. And, you know, even, like, research or whatever. But I would say, like, just... Don't sit on your ass all day. Don't sit on your butt all day and just keep hoping and wishing and all of that. Nothing is really going to happen until we get up and start making those moves. Um, it's not easy, but it's possible. And even if it's something as simple as you want to get a promotion at your job, well, keep working your ass off and, you know, talk to the boss, talk to whoever you got to talk to, to, um, you know, try to make it to the next step. Um, mental health is real and physical health is real and um, as far as like if you want to like stay in touch with me and what I have going on I'd say like if you go to my website digitydom.com, that's d-i-g-g-i-t-y-d-o-m.com uh, you'll be able to see like all my recent music all my social media stuff is attached there um different things i've been involved in so feel free to find me there and everywhere connected and um you know feel free to work with me if you want to get your music popping but yeah it's all a it's all a journey and experience and you know we just on here trying to rise up so you know Definitely. stay strong
0: i would like to say in the comments you guys write down what it what are what's something that excites you and gets you outside of your comfort zone that you love doing that brings you hope? I am hosting a webinar on August thirteenth, twelve thirty p.m. Eastern Time, where we will be talking about finding your niche and targeting your target audience and making sure that you're selling to the right client. I think by us sharing our stories, you get a perspective of what we go through as artists, full-time creators, and business owners, and this is an opportunity for you guys to connect with me and work with other people who sign up and share experiences with each other. And I think it's important for us to not just take live lessons and just be coached all the time, but to actually take action and seeing how some person tried this technique. If it worked, maybe you can implement it. Or maybe if it didn't work for someone, don't try that or give them some type of sense of hope or like what they're doing. Also, I have the business coaching going on where you can get one-on-one assistance with me and I'll try to build a roadmap for you guys' success. Like I said, take advantage of the opportunities that both me and um, Dominique is trying to provide for you guys. It's not enough just watching videos. It's time for you to take action, get up off your feet and apply skills and share with other people around you what are some social contacts that people can find your work
1: for sure so my youtube is diggity dom my tiktok is diggity dom underscore and my instagram and twitter is dominic G B L M. that stands for black lives matter and then um my facebook account is diggity dom but if you go to diggitydom.com has all my stuff there, Dignity Dom on all streaming sites like Spotify, Apple Music, etc. if you wanna check out my music. Um, and yeah, like you can find me pretty much everywhere. If you're gonna be in Montreal in a couple of weeks, I'll be at the AIDS conference performing there and I'll be in Sweden with Billy Dean Thomas shortly after that. So it's about to be a
0: vibe. Yeah, I'll put all those links below so you can connect. You can follow me on Instagram, Clubhouse, YouTube. I have a Facebook group and a Twitter and definitely sign up for my newsletter where I will keep everybody up to date once a week on what's going on, whether it's an event, a spotlight, a blog post. It's a real community and I'm trying to get everybody involved and being able to connect to you guys individually on a personal level. So I would like to say thank you for being a part of this podcast and can't wait for the next episode.
1: All right. Thanks for having me.